I remember those days very clearly. I remember learning the we always do like sign language for every song. We'd have like little yes. sign language or motions. Yeah. And I would just always make the most probably not vulgar, but I was always it was always like poop joke related or like I don't know, something related at that point, like any of the, the motions we would do. Um, I had it's hark the Herald Angels sings. I was like, more like fart the Herald Angels sings. How do you know? How do you know that? <laughs> Dearly beloved, welcome to the Unblessed Podcast, where we inquire and exposit the mysteries of that ancient text, that good book itself, the Holy Bible. We are not theologians nor historians. We are but armchair philosophers who spent years in seminary or on a church staff and have since departed to make our own way. We invite you now to read, think, and laugh with us as we dive deep into the denominational doctrines of the divine in the Unblessed Podcast. My name is Evan. And I'm Scott. And we're 2X Church Choir Anarchists. What is that supposed to mean? <laughs> Did you ever, were you even like a church kids choir? Yeah. Oh, ever? I hated kids choir. Did you have to do it? it? Absolutely. Yep. Hated it 100%. I just feel like at some point in every young boy's life in church choir, they were a complete nuisance to whoever was volunteering to lead the choir. I just remember I caused such stress to the adults by going off. Yeah, I was just a stinker. Were you? I just didn't want to be there at all. Because oh. uh, I wasn't, I always just didn't like any of the kiddie Christian music. Any, like, even as a kid, like, I didn't like, you know, Jesus loved the little children, so it's stupid to me. Yeah. Um, because like at that age, when I was like five, I was already listening to Elvis. I was listening to like real music, you know? Yeah. I, now that I'm thinking about this, I didn't really like that music when I was a kid either. Like, and I always it, thought this sounds like for infants, this type of music, like VBS yeah. stuff. And when I was around those, I was around like church choir people, church choir kids, they were always just like bopping up and down to like, you know, I am a C. I am a CH and I'm like, that sucks. Like y'all, is this <laughs> all you did. listen to? Yeah. Not a fan. I just, I remember those days very clearly. I remember learning the, we always do like sign language for every song. We'd have like little yes. sign language or motions. Yeah. And I would just always make the most, probably not vulgar, but I was always, it was always like poop joke related or like, I don't know, something related at that point, like any of the, the motions we would do. Um, I had it's hark the Herald Angels sing. And Scott was like, more like fart the Herald Angels sings. How do you know? How do you know that? <laughs> Scott's just high-fiving his brother right next to him, just like, hey we're comedians. <laughs> yeah, those were quite the days, the uh, kids' church choir. Did you also have kids' church? Was that a thing? We had kids church in, I guess, every church that I went to. We had kids church um, uh, in the Methodist church that I grew up in early on that I was a, a, a part of. And I hated that because it was just all veggie tales. And I just couldn't stand veggie tales as a kid for that same reason where I was just like, why the hell is a cucumber singing to me? Is exclusively just watching like VHSs of like veggie tales, uh, Adventures in Odyssey? And mm -hmm. never didn't have that one. Nope. Bible man. No, nah, no Dang. Bible man. It was, I think like my poor Sunday school teacher was so trying to save this soul that <laughs> she found out that I hated veggie tales. And honestly, like a lot of kids church, I don't remember, mm. um, which we'll get to here in a bit. Yeah. Yeah. I don't, I don't remember Bible man or adventures in Odyssey. Dang. 
we just i feel like they picked a random video off the shelf every week and that was mm-hmm. that was the way kids church went was all right we've got 45 minutes to kill we're gonna put this video on do a couple songs and we're out of, out of the door but i do remember one weird sunday school where these kids did noah's ark as a play oh okay like we went to see like the other kids or kids in your church other kids in our church so oh, okay. it was a big old church so it was like going to what it was was it was like the sixth graders going to watch the third graders do a play like oh, we were the older kids going to see younger kids put on noah's ark and even then as a kid i was like this sucks i <laughs> won third grade actors so they suck um and two it's not uh, being a drama queen even then i was just like it doesn't count as acting if you're reading the script on stage. So, oh my um, and then lastly, I was just kind of like, the story sucks. I pick a better one. I was a harsh critic as a kid. Mm. I was just like, this is, why would you pick this one? <laughs> oh man. Well, I remember those, those days of kids church, but I had an icebreaker that's related. I was curious. Um, What's up? Since we're on the topic. What was the most violent youth group game or experience that you had? Because we always played the most wild games or had like just some like, I don't know if you had like car bashes, but our church had those at some point. But what was like the most insane moment of like youth group that you can remember? So we would do uh, church church dramas. Uh, And there would be the um, music. And so we did one for I Dare You to Move. Oh, man. Yeah. And what the whole thing was is like kind of man being tempted by uh, Satan and Jesus. And then uh, so in the first I Dare You to Move, Satan slams, I think it's um, the it's mankind down on the floor and Jesus is kind of like going, I dare you to move. And I was like, <laughs> telling him to lift himself up off the floor. Um, oh, what a time capsule. Well, no, it's, I dare, Satan is singing, I dare you to move. Is like, I dare you to move, dare you to lift yourself up the floor. And you know, Oh, this is an interesting yeah, take on this song. Twist. Yeah, so that's the way it starts at the first part. And then the second part, uh, man, like, uh, walks over and, like, starts telling, you know, Satan off. And then it's, like, the big buildup. And, um satan comes you know tries to come over and like man knees and then like in the middle of trying to get to him jesus would grab satan and just body slam him onto the ground who came up with this at your church i have no idea (laughs) but whenever we had to go anywhere for any kind of like uh drama thing we would always be like can we do i dare you to move like oh my all the guys they'd be like i want to be jesus this time i want to I want to be, or I want to be Satan, or I want to be whatever. I do think man like slams Satan at some point as well. Yeah. Um, but it's, it's, sounds about right. It was such a vicious, like, man. All the other dramas we had were just sign language, and that one was just straight up like WWE wrestling for. I love it. <laughs> I love it. We did church drama as well. I really don't want to get into this. It's a long story, but we, my, one summer of my life, we traveled around like the West of the United States in a bus. Like we did like, I, don't, I can't remember, like five or different, six different cities. And we would just go out and the random... socialist ones, the atheist ones. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> the the lost cities of San Francisco and Los Angeles <laughs> and Seattle and Vancouver. We were doing like Montana and like, the Dakotas and Arizona is very yeah. witnessing to the witnessing to, rocks. to the godless album. <laughs> it really felt like that. We would just go to rain. Like I remember we got to Flagstaff and we just parked the bus. There was no plan. It was just, we got out and we found like a public square somewhere kind of downtown. And we, we had this like 17 minute drama that we would perform and then like witness to people afterwards. But it was a wild time. I feel like the early 2000s, mid 2000s, such a peak like church drama, church music video time for everybody. But oh, yeah, because 
I mean, as crappy as Christian music is, it got better. Yeah, um, sure. Significantly, like during that time frame, because I think you had people who were listening to it growing up and were like, "There's got to be something for like kids like me <laughs> who like no. are listening to Nirvana who also want to listen to Jesus words." So, like for better or for worse, you know, you had Switchfoot and Reliant K and different stuff like that coming out. And during then that time. Skillet entered the scene, and, then, and everything changed. Oh my God! I went to a Skillet concert. I went to a Skillet <laughs> and Toby Mac concert. I did too. Was it Winterfest? It's Winter Jam, yeah. Or Winter it Jam, winter. whatever it's called, yeah. Yeah, oh my it was Winter God. Jam. Oh my God, that was the. I I think I had an out of body experience there, <laughs> where I was like watching it and I was having a good time, and then just in the back of my brain, my brain said, "You're watching Toby Mac." your mom watched the Rolling Stones. And I just felt like ultimate shame over myself. What? <laughs> just like, I'm just watching this 40-year-old man. Uh, so even at that point, you were like, this is kind of wrapping his Wrapping his best. And my mom saw Mick Jagger in his prime. Dang. Like, I was yeah, like you got some catching up to do then. Yeah. And then Newsboys came out with their like elevated... Oh yeah, the whole like spinning drum set thing. Oh, we yeah. we should do a whole topic on just the newsboys sometime. Oh, that, yeah. That's a whole deep dive. Spinning drum set for the Lord. Uh, well, let's get into our not really much of a topic today, but more of an interview. And hopefully we'll yeah. have many more interviews to come. Um, but our very own Evan Johnson is gonna be sharing his story, his experience, and I'm excited to hear it. So Really, would you just to dive in? Um, if you're ready, Evan, you just give me the signal. <laughs> Are you ready to share your testimony? <laughs> yes. <laughs> I almost filled that pause again. You can't <laughs> leave more than more time than that. <laughs> oh, um, well, I mainly I want to start. Uh, both of us want to be starting more interviews and and getting to know more people that have had similar experiences of kind of growing up around the church and growing up around evangelical, evangelical, I can't say it today, the evangelical world, evangelical, evangelical world. <laughs> oh my God. Hi, I have a podcast and I can't speak. <laughs> uh, but uh, growing up around just Christian influence um, and then where you're at today, what's changed about your perspective. So really just to start, what was it like growing up? What was your experience with church right from the get-go? I think the biggest thing that's changed as far as my perspective goes is I have glasses. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, four eyes over here. <laughs> Knocked that one out of the park. Ah, okay. thank you, everybody. Going out of the stadium, ladies and gentlemen. Just Sorry. some light bullying to get this thing started. <laughs> <laughs> um, so really early on... Um, we went to a couple of United Methodist churches. Um, one was over in Georgia, and then later we started going to one. Uh, or one was, because uh, I grew up on the Georgia-Alabama line, and um, one of them was in Alabama, and then we stopped going to that because in Methodist church you have confirmation. And um, oh. the preacher there was going through confirmation with my brother, and he was like, are you sure you want to do this? And I, there, there was some drama with um, the preacher and my brother that I'm not entirely familiar with. Um, drama. But so we started, We went to that one, and then there was some drama between the preacher and my family. And then we went to the uh, one over in uh, Georgia. My friend in sixth grade, he invited me to come over and uh, go to MYF, Methodist Youth Foundation is what, what it was called. Is this like a youth group thing or like a camp? It was basically okay. what it was. Like okay. NYF was what the Methodists, uh, or at least that church called youth group. Okay, gotcha. And, it, you know, it was fun. I got to hang out with my friend Jackson on Sunday mornings. You know, sometimes we'd I'd stay over at his house Saturday night and we'd go to church next morning. Or um, I would go to church with him and then hang out kind of all day. But what happened there is twice me and my brother got left in the parking lot on church trips. Oh. 
Yeah. And so we were just kind of like, well, this is crap. And so we just, <laughs> as soon as, kind of as soon as I could drive, really. Yeah. I just stopped going because I was like, I don't want to go. So this is the same. Your your family was going to this church the whole time, or no? Yeah, they were going to this church the whole time. So we okay. bro- we all went to both churches. Gotcha. Okay. Um, and then around when I was like, I guess sixteen or seventeen, I started going to this church in this Baptist church in Alabama. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was where I made a lot of my high school friends. Uh, honestly, like it was a good group of kids. Like we were all we all liked the same things. We all you know, bonded over music. There was a guy there who played guitar. I played guitar. There's a guy there who played drums. And, you know, they've been wanting to start a praise band for a while, and I was like, "We're oh, getting the band together." I I love playing music. Yeah, yeah absolutely. <laughs> um, and then we went to a church in Birmingham where Christian Stanfield played before he was big. Wow. Um, Touched yeah. by the angel that is Christian yeah. Stanfield. <laughs> Uh, yeah, Christian Stanfield started out with All You Need Is Love by the Beatles because it was like the love conference or something like that. Oh. Um, and then, you know, did a bunch of music. And I actually got to go up on stage and meet him later on um, through my youth group adventures. But that was where I got that, where I made that, you know, conscientious decision to follow Jesus. So this was your first time accepting yeah. Christ was in high school? Yeah. Not any other time growing up? Interesting. Not in a. Now here's the thing. Not like a, a a very mature, like I've made this conscious decision. And this is where the concept of salvation and making that conscientious decision uh, gets a little muddy for me, because like you know, no, at five years old, I probably don't have. I definitely don't have the brain capacity of somebody who's sixteen. Oh, you know, yeah. or 17. But of all the things I did when I was five, you would say I did those. Yeah. And of all, yeah. So like it's, uh, uh, and which is why you have a debate about the age of accountability, right? You know, at, oh, at what sure. point, you know, at what point are you accountable for your sins? Yeah. It feels a little testy when there's like a, a very young child that makes a decision, like a very weighted decision, like it has a lot of implications, like yeah. salvation. Like, do they really yeah. understand what's going on? Yeah. Oh, for sure. Like, I always loved meeting people, and they were just like, because you would, that was a big thing about this church. It was like a conscientious decision to follow Christ. Have you made it? Did you make it? And um, there were some kids that were obviously just born into church and raised their, raised their, their entire lives. And they're like, yeah, I was saved when I was three. And it's like, yeah, that was always a, a, a gamble meeting people. It was like, I, I grew up in the, you know, church my whole life. And you'd meet people like that all the time. They're like, Oh, I, I was saved when I was three or four. And you think like, how, I, I didn't even know like the alphabet at that time. Like how, how did I even understand like these concepts, like in, you know, in the Bible or in prayer and whatnot. So, so, so yeah, your, your, uh, matured decision to follow the Lord was in high school. That's when, and Christian Stanfield was your number one influencer. It's absolutely like... <laughs> made a lasting impression honestly made Amazing. a lasting impression just because like sure i saw him get more popular and i was like this is kind of cool o- outside of everything it was kind of cool to see like someone where i had a profound experience yeah then see him like grow and i went to college and didn't really know what i want to do mm. as far as college goes what were you like going to college were you like I want to investigate my faith even further. Were you like, I don't really care anymore? Uh, I was still pretty faithful in college. I was still mm. solid. I think college was just the natural next step in my brain. Yeah. And so I went. Mm-hmm. And it was, you know, something that you were, you know, our generation, uh, we were very pushed to go to college. And so that's what I did. Um, not that I regret it, but you went to church throughout college or were you like went to church throughout college? I was involved with the Baptist campus ministries at the university of Alabama. Sick. Um, and this gets a lot more into, I think the overarching theme of my testimony or whatever you want to call it. Um, as I felt called to ministry. Yeah. Explain, explain your call to ministry. Like what, at what point? Cause Obviously, I met you when we were both on staff at a church, and you were 
going to be a pastor um, or was a pastor. I don't know where you landed it with all that, but uh, when were you called? Like what moment were you like, I feel called to ministry? I think it was sophomore year of college. Um, Mm -hmm. I had been wrestling around with a lot of, I changed my majors eight times between freshman and sophomore year. Now in my defense, the University of Alabama added an online change your major option. So I could just sit in my bed, just click on the laptop. And as long (laughs) as it was within the same school, like you could change willy nilly. Wow. I I couldn't do that. It'd be too dangerous for me. So I was marine biology for one week. <laughs> There's shark. I feel week. like I, that I, is after the... the shark week. I was like, marine biology is pretty cool. And then my roommate, who was a chemical engineer, was like, "You gotta have to take organic chem." And I was like, "Marine biology is for other people." <laughs> That's like a major that I feel like has a ninety percent drop off rate. A lot of people are like, "I'm gonna be a marine biologist," then they are two weeks into it and go, "Never mind." <laughs> Never mind. Not as fun as I thought. Um. Yeah, and then I kind of like settled on, I was like, I feel called to go into seminary um, and, you know, investigate that, you know, plant churches um, or plant a church. And so um, I started looking at seminaries when I was in my junior or senior year. I looked mm-hmm. at uh, Southeastern Seminary in mm-hmm. uh, North Carolina. Um, I looked at Dallas Theological, but it was going to be way more expensive. What did you want to get out of seminary? Why did you feel like you had to go there? I felt like it was a good way to further my education and further like my further equip me uh, for mm. pastoring. And especially like what was cool about the Bible to me was learning more about it mm. um, and like, you know, dissecting everything the like original hebrew the original greek this that or the other um was always really uh fascinating to me and then like and then learning um more skills uh as a pastor um gotcha. was fascinating to me um i ended up at southern baptist theological in louisville and i lived in indianapolis and was a church planting intern Woo. during that time now, during this whole bit, I am struggling with this idea of a calling because the Bible doesn't actually mention any sort of call to seminary or a call oh. to ministry or anything like that. Um, now, some folks listening, they'll point to, I think it's like in First John, um, where they talk about, you know, whoever accepts the call to be uh, a shepherd or an overseer is noble. Or then mm. they like, you know, separate out each roles. But yeah. I think something that I would ask you is what's the definition of an overseer? What's the definition of a of a shepherd? Mm-hmm. Um is doesn't is an overseer an executive pastor? Is a shepherd the uh community group pastor? Or is a shepherd a person that just helps out their friends just hangs out in which case according to the bible a woman cannot do that Ooh. yeah they can only, they can't be the executive pastors for sure they cannot be <laughs> so it gets and that's where it kind of started getting muddy, muddy for me because i was like okay well like what is the exact definition of someone who's a shepherd? What's the exact definition of someone who is in these roles? And I just, I started, I really saw like a lot of women around me doing Hmm. these things in church, like leading women's Bible studies, doing all this stuff. And I was like, I don't really see, because like 501c3s were not a thing (laughs) in the Bible. (laughs) Like there's no like establishing of any sort of like uh, church status or anything like that. Um, or any way that the church uh, should function beyond like overseers, uh, deacons, and um, you know, shepherds or pastors or whatever. And then there's also the whole uh, verse about you know people's gifts, which gets muddy because it's like, okay, but does somebody only have the gift of teaching and not prophecy? Hmm. Uh, does somebody only have a gift of um, apostling, whatever the hell that is? Um, <laughs> no one, no one knows. <laughs> I want to back up a little bit because so you had a calling to pastor 
And you, at that moment, you already had some struggles or with kind of this calling idea a little bit. Like you're kind yeah. of, or at least it, was, it seemed a little muddy. What would you say is that turning point? Like what was it like women's uh, roles in the church was like that, that point of like, you know, I'm not sure what this is. Or was it something else that kind of got your mind on the whole calling thing or? So I, the whole calling thing was first. And mm. then I was like, okay, you know, what mean, what does it mean to be called? And then I started diving into like any good Christian that feels the call to seminary. I started mm. diving into Calvinism. <laughs> and <laughs> um, for our listeners who may not be aware, um, a Christian Calvinist is an asshole. But... <laughs> I was just about to say, what do you call a Christian Calvinist? <laughs> an asshole, an asshole yeah. who should be locked in a cage for a year. And yeah, just without social interaction and then... not fun. <laughs> Yeah, not fun. Um, they're the like well actually of Christians, and they're just not fun to be around. Yeah. And I was that for th- probably two and a half of my college years. Ooh, I, that um, I'm curious now. You 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 opened up another door. What was that most like? What when were you most like on fire? Your most I hate saying your most annoying, but when were you the most like well actually? <laughs> when did you um, correct the most people, and you thought you God. had it really down? You know. I think it had to be, I mean, the only options are junior or senior year, but really like. Um, of college? Yeah, of college. Okay. I think that was where I was like. In it. The biggest bear to be around where I was just like, <laughs> you know, actually you should, you should um, be passionate about youth group because those are our future <laughs> You know, I'm sure I uttered the same said, words at some point. I yeah. said that to a friend of mine who was like, I just don't want to volunteer with youth group. And I was like, well, you should because they're the young hearts oh of the church. And he should have punched me, but he didn't. <laughs> um, and I blame him for that to this day. So <laughs> should have punched me in the face, man. So you had about a two-year two year window where that was – I mean, it, that was it. You were in – if only somebody would have punched me in the face if only somebody would have been like just (laughs) kicked me right in the balls and been like you're you're an idiot just humble yourself yeah yeah uh so you met you said another calvinist or you were working through calvinism yeah i did like meet another a couple of friends of mine were also calvinists and so we would like talk and be like your reformed theology means this and this that or the other um but i think what's funny about guys who get into calvinism in their college years at least guys that i know Hmm. is that then we graduate college and we get out into the real world and we're just like all right well what am i called to do today and it's just like crickets and it's like hmm yeah all right um that's interesting well i gotta pay rent not everything's like a glamorous calling from from God all the time, yeah. Which is always funny that people are called to be pastors or doctors, you know, missionaries and stuff like that. They're never called to be garbage truck workers. They're never called to be uh, coal miners. They're never they're never called for blue collar jobs. They're always called to either go someplace extravagant or be in front of people where they are the most important. Or if they are called at one of those more mundane places, they're probably the worst people to work with. I'm called to be the manager of this Wendy's. No, I'm, <laughs> I, I'm, I, I, I feel called to be here among you low lives. <laughs> oh, gosh. And it's, it, it, it grinds my gears anytime I heard the phrase called. Like, I felt I feel called to do this. And I'm like, no, yeah. you just want to do it. Why, why is it that complicated? Mm-hmm. I, I wanted to get up and talk about the Bible in front of people, which is what I'm doing right now, you know? And so then, it actually it was, was – it so I actually, I actually was called. <laughs> um, so <laughs> Joke's on us. Yeah. <laughs> um, so this turning point, I guess, was after this kind of – after college, it sounds like you – I mean, you were just exposed to – lack of a better term, just real life, like real life kind of yeah. hit you. And, and what, what made the kind of those changes? Uh, I 
think um, a couple of things made the changes. One is, I, you know, I was really trying to, like, plant a church in an apartment complex, and that was going absolutely nowhere, and nobody yeah. should have thought it would go anywhere. But they were just <laughs> like, oh, man, this 23-year-old, let's have him do this. Just stupid. <laughs> And then I was I was doing like hybrid classes for seminary, and then I was just like, I don't know if I want to. Do. Like I started like yeah working at um, Guitar Center, um, and making money, and I was like, damn, you know, this this is <laughs> making like money, money, yeah, um, stupid money, stupid money. <laughs> um, it was not glamorous. My first day working on the job was Black Friday, and I was like, oh, Ooh, howdy. <laughs> Ooh, that's a rough first day at Guitar Center. No. Mm. But, um, well, it was the call center, so it actually wasn't that bad. There's no. people calling and being like, I want this. But I was like, I have talked so much today. But, yeah, so I, I remember going down to a conference in Louisville, and I was already like, I don't know what I feel about this whole calling because I I, I mm. investigated it to its core at this point where I was just like, what does the word calling mean in Greek? And it was like, means calling. I was like, <laughs> that tells me nothing. I'm gonna crack this code one day. Yeah, was it gonna? Was I'm gonna <laughs> uncover a hidden leaf? You know, and it's just <laughs> like there is no. Beyond the prophets in the Old Testament, there's no, yeah. no evidence of anybody being like truly like called, you know. Um, mm -hmm. a judge would be risen up, but like that's different, you yeah. know. Uh, there are certain people who were just like singled out by God, but it wasn't in any sort of pastoral capacity, <laughs> you know. And so that's what I was looking for was I was like, where is this person? And it just you, you don't really get a full idea of it. Even Paul never really explains. I, I mean, Paul's episode is that he gets knocked off the horse and gets blinded. Yeah. It's like a very miraculous kind of event. And you could more or less argue, and this is something I would charge like any like Christian listening to it, you can more or less argue that Paul's blinding and the scales falling off his eyes was his salvation, not his call to ministry. Yeah. However, a Christian saved is a Christian called. Yeah. That's the other thing. And I can remember just looking around and just, I remember looking around and I was like, why doesn't nobody else understand that, like, because you are, you have been saved, you are now called to, like, be mm -hmm. a part of ministry and everything like that. And so with that, I started, I went to this conference down in Louisville. Um, mm -hmm. and I was already kind of like, you know, I don't have to do seminary. You know, if I if I want to actually live out a life and be a missionary or whatever, I don't need a degree. You know, and I was already weighing the options. I was like, you know, an MDiv and seminary is you know ninety hours. I could a get of, a, a lot of cheddar too. Yeah, mm. I could get an MBA for a third of that. Yep. You know, and so I remember I was in this coffee shop, and I was this guy was like, you know. Um, are you in town for a conference? I was like, yeah. And he was like, which one? And I was like, oh, it's this conference, this church network conference over here. And he was like, oh, you're in seminary? And I said, yeah. And he said, sweet, I just graduated and sent out my second round of resumes. And I looked at him, and I looked at myself, and I looked at him <clears throat> being a barista, and I was like, oh, I don't want to do this anymore. Nothing against being a barista, but that was not going to be my – I, it was at that moment that I realized the sheer lack of job security mm -hmm. a graduate degree in seminary could provide you. Yep. And so that's when I just bailed, and I was just like, you know what? I'll figure everything else out from here. So yeah, that's the longest short of the seminary tale, and is um, kind of the prevailing narrative is the calling and like dissecting it and being like, okay, what happened after that? So once you said, you know what, the I don't feel like calling is for me or it's it's not really the way i intended it or the way i thought it was going to be going so after that like what steps what did your faith and experience with church look like after that were you like well i'm not i'm not gonna be a pastor so i don't need to go to church or maybe i'm just not i'll just volunteer from time to time or was it like what, what was what did it look like after that 
It was drugs, sex, and rock and roll, baby. <laughs> Just living for the moment, living on the road, and, you know, oh smoking hookah in the back of Miley's pickup, and yeah. Getting high with Willie. No, like I just, I, I, I still went to church and I still, you know, did Bible studies and I still, you know, investigated the Bible and, the, yeah. and you know, read more about it. Um, I remember in seminary, there was one class that I remember um, where we had to do forms. Uh, we, had, we had to do like, there was a form, uh, not like F-O-R-M. This is Evan Southern coming out. Um, Honestly, it slipped past me too. I was going to a forum, <laughs> a forum, you know, um, a forum where the teacher was like, okay, this deacon, uh, he was, and I'm going to butcher the question, um, but he was married for five years and his wife died. And five years later, uh, he got remarried. Um, can he be a deacon? Ooh. And I didn't think two things about it. I was like, who the hell cares? Um, and then some folks were like, well, you want to be faithful to Scripture, and I'm sure this is a good man, and maybe there are other places where he can serve, but um, you know, the Bible mm. says he has to be a man of one wife. Yep. And I remember answering and just being like, why do you care? Hmm. Like, yeah. it was the same position I had on like women preachers, even when I was like in the thick of it, where I was, um, where I was, you know, real conservative and, mm -hmm. you know, held more conservative religious views, where I was just kind of like, if the worst thing a woman is doing is leading a church, <laughs> right? That ain't probably, that bad. She's probably getting into heaven. Like, <laughs> I think that was kind of my scorecard. That is a great point, though, yeah. That was kind of my scorecard all the time, where I was like, all right, you know, is, you know, Danny the widow who found happiness again? Is, mm -hmm. he's, is he leading a life of ruin? No. Brenda's good <laughs> for him? Let him be a damn deacon. There's probably other people who are going to experience the same thing as him, sad to say. And he can, yeah. you know, provide some guidance. So I, I never, I, I never understood the little meticulous things about it. I remember in high school, uh, somebody, my dad smoked a lot of cigarettes, and one of my buddies was like, "Well, you know, smoking's a sin," and I was like, "How?" So hmm. I was like, "Where, where in the Bible does it say that smoking tobacco, a product made in North America, yeah, is right. a sin?" And he was like, "Well, it's harming your body," and I was like, "Well, you play football." Yeah, a lot of things do that. Yeah. Like I was like, you know, we just ate fried chicken as <laughs> Yeah. This isn't exactly doing great things for us. So I was like I don't know. I like that was that was the epitome of my scorecard was like, are you do you follow Jesus and can you prove it? Like that was It's interesting all that uh the rigid Bible discussions that come yeah. from like can it's like it, you're getting in like the lawyer, you know, lawyering the Bible. Like, well, could a person who was technically divorced but now they're remarried and they're both Christians and they were they repented? Pop quiz, you know, it's just like, are they a good person? You know, are they willing to actually serve and help people? Yeah. That seems like the only requirement to me. But and I think okay. like part of my answer was like, we don't have a lot of men in church these days. Yeah, it's like, like who else it, do you want then? I know, like it's it's gonna be slim pickings. Um, <laughs> For me to be as relaxed as I was about evaluating people hmm. when I would meet them it should be an indicator that, like, you know, 2016 was a rough time for my faith. Yeah. Um, and I think it was a rough time for a lot of Christians, a lot of millennials, because what we saw was we saw a lot of uh, our mentors and deacons and pastors and, you know, parents um, who were godly mm -hmm. um, rally around a man who's in his third marriage, owned casinos, was saying some stuff that yacht not to, um, and was caught saying a bunch of other stuff. Like it, yep. it was at that moment where I was like, oh, so we can excuse any behavior 
Yeah, as long as they have a certain label and they fit a certain, they check a certain box for us, then it works. Hmm. And so that that was, I think, I, I don't think in, um, I think in 2016, 2017, if you would have asked me, I would have said, you know, election has nothing to do with it. I think it had it had a lot more to do with it than interesting. Uh, I gave it credit for. Yeah. Um, in the because you saw uh, how others were taking their faith and they were kind of using it as a you know well hell all of a sudden church mattered Hmm. yeah all of a sudden being a christian all of a sudden like these things that i've been saying for like the past six years where i was just like just like you know you need to get into the word and you study the word and you know the bible's true the bible's true you know um the bible's a good thing and then all of a sudden it was this research it was like a a switch was flipped on uh Hmm. and a lot of these people where it was like Oh man, like, yeah, that's right. God, guns, and country, you know. Hmm. And I was like, that's not. Did you feel like you didn't want to be a part of whatever that was at that time? Is that what made kind of push you further? Absolutely, because there was even still this dissonance where it was like, you're, Hmm. yeah, we're all Christians, but we're Americans first. Yeah. And I, the, the, it was almost like Jesus was getting. Um, culturally appropriated into the American doctrine. Mm. Mm-hmm. Um, I've had that debate with quite a few people. the The worship of country versus like the worship of God. You know, like what's what's priorities in these? Oh yeah, well, I straight up had a conversation with a couple of my relatives where I was just like, I hate Fourth of July in churches, and they're like, Why? And I was like, Because the church is a global thing. Yeah, it exists beyond yep. like they're. Why do we need to be singing, you know, the national anthem? <laughs> yeah. On a Sunday. Yeah. And it was like, well, because we're Americans. And it's like, we can sing it literally. We sing it literally every Sunday in the fall. Yeah. Every Saturday in the fall. You can like, go home and sing it too for all we care. You like, can, yeah. You've got that right. freedom. I don't yeah. know why. It has to be sung in a time that's reserved for something bigger than that. Yeah. To me, it's like it would be like singing Prince at church. <laughs> like <laughs> that would rule. I don't need to know where a church it, is doing that. I know it'd be pretty cool, actually. Um, <laughs> but for something that's only been around for three hundred years, all of a sudden you're singing yeah. songs about it in something that's dedicated to something that's been around for an eternity. Yeah. No, it just, it it never, it never sat well. I think it's a valid question and concern that any Christian should have, but it's, it's kind of jarring when people don't and they just kind of go with the flow. So obviously you were kind of already, um, you know, deciding that the calling wasn't really in place anymore. And then 2016 Mm -hmm. occurs and you feel like, suddenly this is becoming more of like a charade for other Christians, you know, just to kind of be, to be Christian and American and to rally up versus taking it, you know, really seriously. I remember, and years later, I had a conversation with my pastor about it. He and I met for coffee and he asked me, he was like, hey, you know, what what's the story here? And I said, man, in 2016, you and I could both look at the floor and say that it's a floor. Mm. But I could have a completely different idea of what God is than the person sitting next to me in a church. And that did not sit well with me with the conversations that were happening Mm. uh, in this nation. And it still doesn't. Um, It still doesn't sit well with me that there are people on any given Sunday who are the most pure of heart people in the entire world sitting next to people who just, they only claim it culturally. And I think that's, I think that's kind of like when it gets down to it, it's kind of like, I think it's the same thing I felt when as a kid, I discovered Monty Python and the Holy Grail. And I was in like fourth or fifth grade or whatever. And I told my friends, I was like, you got to watch this. You got to watch this. You got to watch this. It's really funny. Really funny. You need me, 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 me. Um, (laughs) And they were like, all right, whatever, widow, (laughs) whatever, widow. And then like um, two years later, 
everybody discovers it and they're like, oh, we're doing all these for like a drama mm-hmm. class and everything. And I'm like, you sons of bitches. <laughs> <laughs> I told you about this. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know you. Monty Python's funny. <laughs> and I'll sit around here on your asses. No, it was like, it's, it's that same feeling and then paired with kind of like taking a peek behind the veil a little bit and being like, okay, like let's, I need to know if I'm the wrong one. Yeah. I need to know if everybody else out here saying all these things that feel like they're wrong. Cause I've been like knee deep in this for a while, you know, I right. need to know who's on the right side of the coin here. And so that's why I, you know, dug deeper into um, the Bible and its history. And yeah. What kind of questions were you asking at that point? Were you just trying to like, were you trying to validate your beliefs? Were you just trying to, get closer to God in like a different way? What, you know, I what think the was biggest question, I think the biggest question I had was why is this in here? Hmm. Like when everything that I was reading, I, I'd never really asked that question before um, where it was like, all right, why is Job in here? For example, Job's a weird ass book. Yeah. Yeah, we need to do it an episode on Job now I think about oh, it. Man, <laughs> Job, Job is so weird because you have a guy and you have God and Satan at the beginning. And Satan knocks on God's door because apparently they're neighbors. And God opens. He's like, hey, we're having a party with all the angels. I remember you. You got hired by hell, like uh, our competitor, you know. <laughs> come on in here and satan's like hey i bet i can tempt anyone and god's like not just anyone you know let's place a wager on this let's how about my faithful servant job and job's just down there minding his own damn business yeah he's just living his best life he's living his life and then all of a sudden he gets sick and he still doesn't, you know, leave faith or whatever, but he's got like boils and pus coming out of everywhere. And he just looks disgusting and his wife won't look at him. Um, and his wife does say, you know, why don't you curse God? And at that moment, Satan's like, all right, well, you know, okay, like, yeah, like making the guy sick, fine, but like, let me kill some people, God, come on. And God yeah. was like, all right, you know, fine, kill his family. And. <laughs> So you were looking at this whole story and you were just like, why is this, how is this relevant to you? Or why is this 40 chapters of nothing good, like (laughs) nothing good happening? Why is this in here? And because I think like the big question that I, because this is a whole nother question that I had during this whole time Mm -hmm. and probably steeps into my feelings about 2016. I had no problem with the idea of why do bad people why do bad things happen to good people? Mm-hmm. Makes sense to me. Bad things happen to good people. Bad things happen to bad people. Bad things just happen. Sure. In a world with this much emphasis on divinity, why then do good things happen to bad people? Hmm. Why do bad people get raised up and rewarded in life? And you can say, well, they're eternal reward. And I'm like, that's great. That doesn't matter to anyone they're affecting in this moment. Yeah. You know, yeah. I'm sure Hitler was very worried about his eternity. <laughs> yeah. Like, I, I'm sure it kept him up at night. You know, like it doesn't. <laughs> yeah, <I'm> sure. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sure yeah. that gave a lot of solace to all the people he was killing. Like that's that's a great question. Yeah, why good things happen to really horrible people? Why yeah. do they get away with things? Yeah. And so, like, whenever I would ask that question, they would be like, "Don't you mean why do bad things happen to good people?" I'm like, "No, I don't mean that. I mean yeah, the opposite." Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so, when I was reading Job, you know, his wife dies, his kids die, he nearly dies, mm-hmm. um, his pets die, his house gets taken up by a tornado and like spins off to wizard of Ozland. And then at the end, it's like when he gets rewarded with tenfold and sevenfold and every like, Oh boy. footnote that you'll read is like, yeah, this is a Hebrew convention in literature. 
the Hebrew convention literature that, you know, someone who goes through suffering and gets, you know, material yeah. rewards, it's a symbol for spiritual rewards. Yeah. You can point me in the direction of another book where that happens. In my research, and I'm happy to be given resources, you know, unblessedpodcast at gmail.com. Hit me up. <laughs> but I have not found another book where that quote-unquote Hebrew convention, Hebrew literary convention, exists other than Job. Hmm. And I don't think a sample size of one is enough to call it a literary convention in my English degree yeah. expertise. Like, Sure. You felt like this book, there was just like, I mean, you said there was a question of like, you know, good things happen to bad people. Um, Like what was, I just want to take it another step further. And like, what was there other questions that then are popped up from that? Like, did you start getting more questions? Like you said, like you looked at Job and like, this doesn't quite make sense. Were there other books? Were there other just things that were starting to not quite line up or um genesis uh, mm-hmm. genesis was always a weird one for me because i never did i think the closest i ever came to being a creationist was like a young earth creationist in the sense that i was like okay god created adam and eve with the appearance of age and my wife would like stab me with a spear if you heard me saying all this right now um <laughs> but that you can create the god can create the earth with the appearance of age and yep. so you know existence and reality could have started six thousand years ago but you know all that stuff still could have like quote unquote happened and been there or whatever yeah you know and that's completely possible um but then i was like okay like who cares like i, I like it like <laughs> It was. It, it became kind of a like, like this isn't a hill to die on. I had a friend in college that was an astrophysics major um, and a graduate student who taught my, he, he taught my astronomy one hundred one class that I was in. You know, one of the many majors that I bounced around in, and you know, talking with him and getting his take on like evolution and creationism and everything like that was always fascinating. I think. I think well. It was really interesting when I, because, you know, you read about intelligent design, you read about creation, and you have, like, this, like, when you're a Christian, you have, like, this, you know, feeling, this overwhelming feeling of, like, oh, man, I'm knowing the Lord more and more. And I read about evolution, and I was like, oh, so the monkey becomes the thing, Hmm. and this becomes the thing. Oh, okay. Well, I don't feel anything. <laughs> I don't. I, I didn't feel the same like um, that something was at stake. Hmm. Kind of feeling, and that was almost a weird, odd sense of comfort to read about something and it just be fact, rather than to read about something and it be like, oh, so because this person explained this this certain way, now I know that it's true, and you know that I can, I now have to defend this, whereas like comes an evolution it's just like well this is how it is so you you started getting a little bit more comfort from understanding like seeing that your worldview was not quite as like cut and dry that there was always had to be an explanation there always had to be some form of like you know you, there's yeah. there's there's always interpretation involved with faith there's like there always... always an apologetics and i think right. another thing that kind of bothered me a long time huh. for a long time is like when i would bring up a different interpretation of something someone would be like that's huh. wrong or, or it, it would never be that's wrong it would be oh that's an interesting take hmm, hmm. yeah i always thought it was interesting like, how did, i'm just like did anybody say this to martin luther like yeah <laughs> <laughs> well it's interesting because because you could interpret things so many different ways you know it's just natural to go well where if we can interpret one thing in you know five different ways what about the sixth way and the seventh way that starts straying a little bit farther away from that original, yeah. original air quotes interpretation. So it just, it is a lack of a better term, just that slippery slope of, Oh, if I can interpret this a little bit more liberally or a little bit uh, lean, you know, in this direction, then why can't I lean in other directions? But um, I want to ask you um, from all this, a little curveball question, but, What's something you would tell yourself 
um, now, so something that you know now that you would tell past Evan maybe 10 years ago or whenever you can pick what age Evan, but what's like something that you would just look back to and go, I wish I could just tell myself this. Just relax and have fun, man. Like <laughs> honestly do a drug. Um, the Unblessed <laughs> podcast does not, does not endorse, uh, we don't drugs. endorse drugs. Nope. Um, nope. but no like, drugs. you know, chill out. Like you don't have mm. to be a goody two shoes. You can, you can mess up. You can make mistakes. The moment that you live in doesn't have to be an eternity from now. It can be right now, and you can just kind of enjoy it with your friends and, you know, go yeah. out, party, drink a little before you should. You know, and yeah. <laughs> and My just, entire family just gasped. I know. <laughs> I just, like, just have more fun than you because I I regret not having as much fun, mm, um, or not that. letting loose uh, nearly as much. But yeah, um, I do know that it probably kept me out of trouble. I was just about to ask, what is something that, from all that experience, since you kind of grew up with church, that you're thankful for? What's something that really you're like, you know what? Through all that, I did gain this, or I did, you know. I think two things. Um, one. Do you think it kept me out of trouble? And two, music-wise, mm. um, our like, you know, our theme song is that little like gospel on an old string piano. Um, but like that style of music, I still love, and I will still play some some old hymns on the guitar or some like old hymn sounding um songs worship songs on the guitar i think you know not all christian music is good but not all of it was trash you know no so, there's still some i go back to every now and then i'll oh yeah i still play lord i need yours. you on the guitar every wow. now and then but i like to like jazz it up with a slow country swing and put on that boss metal zone right in the middle of the chorus that boss metal zone right in the middle of the chorus <laughs> Crank up the delay. I can see that. Like those are, I feel similar lessons were um, taught to me through my experience as well. Like the music aspect. I mean, yeah. I wouldn't be the same person if it wasn't all the church music that I was a part of. And I, I know that for you too. Like you were around it for so long. So I know that shaped you. So. Well, and I think for a lot of people, like church is their first, uh, it's the first place they get to like yeah. perform in front of somebody. And, oh, like, definitely. Mm-hmm get the yeah. whole feel um i mean the katie perry was originally going to be a christian artist a lot of people started yeah gospel yeah. music or or church bands mm. elvis yeah. started out that way beyonce but, um <laughs> post malone lil nas x um <laughs> uh yeah uh cardi um, b yep all of them yeah cardi b um nickelback started as a yeah. youth group band fun fact olivia rodrigo <laughs> Um, driver's license was originally about Jesus. Lil Xanax too. Yep. Lil Xanax. <laughs> okay. Well, <laughs> is there anything else that, uh, that's a real artist too. <laughs> is he really? Yeah. You're old. Lil Xanax. Oh my God. <laughs> Lil, Lil Z- I have to look this up right now. Lil <laughs> old man types on computer. Oh man. Well, while you're looking that up, um, first of all, appreciate you sharing your story, your your testimony. Jeff says Lil Xan. It doesn't say Lil oh. Xanax. Oh, sorry. Okay, I'm we're both old, so I got it half right. <laughs> Lil we'll Xanax is just a mumble rapper that's about to fall asleep. <laughs> <laughs> uh um, well anyway. Thank you for sharing your your testimony, your story. Um yeah, I really appreciate it. I feel like I got to know you a little bit better. Some of those things I didn't know about you. And so it's good to know um, just those turning points in your life. So yeah. thank you for that, Evan. Really appreciate it. Oh, of course, of course, of course. Um, if you have any questions, you can reach us at unblessedpodcast.com. Um, you can also tweet at us at unblessedpod. And all the other social medias that we're a part of. Um, yep. Yep, also all bad. those, all those sites. So yeah, who knows how long Twitter is going to be around? <laughs> oh. 
We're there right now, baby. <laughs> we'll so. never know, but thanks for tuning in, everybody. Yeah. It's a fun episode. We'll have some more interviews in the future. Absolutely. And any last words, Evan? Um, oh, um, thank you for listening. My name is Evan. And I'm Scott. And don't forget to close your Bible. <laughs> <laughs>